That's right. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Amen, 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 amen. It is so good when we get together. Now, I want you to know that uh, we just finished up a series on a God of Second Chances. And I absolutely love that series because it talked about no matter how many times we mess up, God's grace, even though we didn't deserve it, will always forgive us, will always give us a second chance. Will always, uh, His mercy is never ending and it's new every day. And so we're starting a new series for the school year, probably for the first month or two, it's called Am I Mad? And it talks about making a difference. You know, the Olympics just ended, and, and we're fortunate to have one of the athletes here that had gone through quite a bit of training, so I'd like to bring him out right now. Would you come on out for me real quickly, please? <laughs> Many of y'all don't know that Austin is very much into bodybuilding and, and exercise, and, uh, but Austin, I know that all the hours that you've trained and, and gone into building this up, Tell me, what, uh, why, why did you do it? What, 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 uh, what's your goal in all of this? To be beautiful. To be beautiful? <laughs> you do look beautiful, yes. So tell me, Austin, what, uh, tell me a little bit about your, <laughs> okay. Um, so tell me about your workout routine. What, what do you bench press? About 330. Really? Three, 330 pounds? Oh, like 3.30 in the afternoon. Oh, okay, 3.30 in the afternoon. So, uh, well, tell me, what, what's the goal? What, why do you do all of this bodybuilding? Why do you invest so much in, into to this body? What, 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 what is your purpose? To look good. To look good? Yeah. Okay, what, yeah, what else? I mean, who, who wouldn't want to see some of this? Or, yeah, yeah. We're, we're seeing a lot of it, some so. Of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... But the purpose, what, what difference are you making in other people's lives with all of this physique? Well, I'm pretty sure once they get a little glimpse, their lives are, are pretty much changed forever. I so, see. Yeah. I see. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's really shallow and deep at the same time. So, well, hey, listen, I want to, yeah, I, I can tell. I want to, and a little lumpy there too, but I want to thank you for so much for coming and being with us this morning and, and sharing it's your, your pleasure. Your, yes. your gifts. All right. Okay. So let's give Austin a hand. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I had to talk him into doing this little skit. Okay. Cause uh, I want you to know, we, we talked about this because we, we see so much of, of the athletes, and, and they did. They worked hard, and they trained. Um, but we also saw some of the emptiness that they even shared. Once they reached that goal, it was like, what's next? They, they have no idea. They trained for one thing, and they reached it in this world. And I was thinking about the body of Christ, that God has given us all spiritual muscles, talents, gifts, but what have we groomed them for? Just so that we can show off a, a, a huge campus of, uh, with coffee shops and bowling alleys and, and we'll bring the, the lost in and give them coffee and help them bowl and maybe they'll meet Christ? Is that why we developed our spiritual muscles? Do we develop our spiritual muscles just so we can have a holier-than-thou attitude in our neighborhood or our workplace? so that we can put on the bumper stickers and, and the religious shirts and just walk around with judgment. Unfortunately, as shallow as Austin's answers were in the physical, we have people that walk around in the spiritual. 
that all they've developed is for themselves, for their own enjoyment. They really just want a relationship with God for their own peace. But when you ask them, what difference are you making in other people's lives? They really don't have an answer for you. So we're going to be starting a series talking about making a difference. Making a difference not only in our schools, our workplace, our neighborhoods, our homes, but truly being challenged. My prayer as I was leading in for this series is that this series would truly challenge us as a church like we have never been challenged before. Breaking complacency, breaking tradition, breaking old mindset of, well, this is the way we've always done things. And truly seeing, are we making a difference? We're going to be looking at Jesus talking with his disciples. And we see that in this passage I'm about to read to you, that they wanted to make a difference, but they felt that the way that they could make a difference was achieving importance and position within the kingdom of God. And they truly misunderstood Jesus' role. If you have your Bibles, please open to Mark 10. We're going to be looking at verses 35 through 45. Mark 10, verse 35 and 45 tells us this. James and John, sons of Zebedee, went to Jesus. Now, I do want you to know that if you are looking in Matthew, Matthew 20, 20, it talks about their mother actually takes them up to, the, to Jesus and starts this whole conversation. So if you read Matthew's account of it, you'll see that there was another motivational force in this conversation, and it was good old mom. But here it just says, James and John, sons of Zebedee, went to Jesus. And they said to him, Teacher, we want you to do us a favor. Now, you know what's amazing is that Jesus already knew what this conversation was going to be about. You, you know what I mean. He's, he's God. He knew everything that was about to happen. But he asked this question, what do, you want for, what do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And they said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Verse 38, and Jesus said, you don't realize what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I am going to receive? Their response was, we can, they told him. And Jesus told them, you will drink the cup that I am going to drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism that I am going to receive. There's a prophetic voice right there. But verse 40, but I don't have the authority to grant you a seat at my right or left. These positions have already been prepared for certain people. Now, this is where you see today's even society. When the other ten apostles heard about it, they were irritated with James and John. You know, you got to see the human in this side. This is like, can you believe those two? They went in and they got their mom involved in this, and they're already positioning because they knew the power and the authority of the kingdom of God. They knew that it was happening, so what they're doing is they're trying to get lined up. I remember in, in elementary school, man, when, when they, the teacher would say, if some of y'all, this is old school, but say, okay, we're all going to line up. And man, there was this positioning to be up front, you know, and there was the old no cuts or, or no butts and, and all this. But man, you just wanted to be the first in line. Line. And what would happen is there was always this competition in one of my classes to be the first. So we would kind of position ourselves because we knew that the line would start right over here. So kind of when we knew about when it was about time, we'd start just kind of wandering over here, you know, just kind of hanging out because I wanted to be right there. Positioning themselves. So how do we make a difference for Christ? If you're taking notes, point number one is making a difference for Christ is not about who they were. 
I want you to know that making a difference for Christ is not about who we are. See, they thought if only they could be important, if only they could have a position, if only I can have a title, then I could make a difference for Christ. If only I were more talented, if I had the ability to, 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 to play like Dino or Randy or David or, or Matt, or, or if I could sing like uh, Stephen or Becky, I, I, then I would do more for the kingdom of God. If only I was a great teacher like Hannah and Nathaniel, then I would work in children's ministry. See, we come before God with our list of reasons why we're not being capable and not being used. Sometimes we tell them how we're not talented or we're not that powerful. We're not that persuasive. But God truly knows who we are because he created us. Amen. He created us in his image. We are the children of the Most High God. My word tells me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My word tells me that nothing is impossible. So why do we bring our limits and our excuses to God when he's asking us to do and make a difference in other people's lives? As you look through, God deliberately did not choose powerful people to do his will. I want you to think about that for a minute. Even with the family that was chosen for the birth of Christ, it could have been a royal family. It could have been a powerful family. It could have been... He could have had him born during the 1970s to the Kennedys when they were in the rule of power and it would have just had CNN just at every word he had. But that wasn't God's plan. Here's a list of people that God has used. You may identify with one or two of their weaknesses. Moses was a stutterer. David's armor didn't fit. Jose's wife was a prostitute. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. David was too young. Timothy had ulcers. Peter was afraid of death. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Paul was a murderer, and so was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip and a bigot. Gideon and Thomas were both doubters. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. Martha was a worry ward. Noah got drunk. Moses and Peter and Paul all had short fuses. And I can go on and on and on and on, okay? But what the point is this, they were not perfect people. Amen. And God came in and used them mightily to do and change their culture and their society. If you are waiting for perfection in your life, you will die on this earth unfulfilled. God wants you where you are right now, not when, well, once the school year starts or once our finances settle or once this happens, there will always be another reason. So it's important that we understand. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 29 tells us this, but God chooses what the world considers nonsense to put wise people to shame. God chose what the world considers weak to put what is strong to shame. God chooses what the world considers ordinary and what it despises, what it considers to be nothing in order to destroy what it considers to be something. Verse 29, as a result, no one can brag in God's presence. If we think we're all that, God has a lot more work to do in our lives before we can go out and touch and affect other people's lives. 
The second point is being his servant is more important than being a superstar. When Jesus chose his disciples, they were not the pick of the litter. I really looked at his disciples and thought, if I were starting a new ministry, would these be the 12 that I would choose? Especially when I knew their hearts. Especially knowing that one would betray me. That one would doubt me. Knowing their, their, their thoughts. Would these be the ones that I would choose? Or would I choose a little bit more of a powerful group? Ones that are a little bit more connected. Ones that can network. Ones that at least can Facebook and Twitter. You know, I mean, people that are strategically placed. People that have resources that can just fund the ministry with no problem. They meant none of that criteria. And Jesus chose them. He knew that they were simple men. But he knew that with them, they could do a life-changing, world-changing event. Amen. But for them, they didn't think that Jesus wanted them as they were. As you even see in this positioning, could you place us at this position so that we could be powerful? We want to be more like you. But it's important that we understand that God chooses us where we are because he sees where he can take us. See, sometimes we want to be where God wants us to be, but we have to start where we are right now. Amen. Some of you don't want to start where you are right now. You want to wait until things are better. But that's not God's plan. Right. It's important that we understand. Point number three is what type of people does God want? People wants people that he can just count on to be there. To be there. I know that each Sunday, many of you are there for me, for this church. I never worry if Hannah and Nathaniel are setting up on Saturday night, or if they're going to be here, or if John is going to be on Sunday, or if Dino and the worship team are going to show up, or if we're just going to be playing with kazoos and humming a lot during worship time, or if the sound team's going to be here and I'll just be yelling at you through a tin can or any of the nursery workers and Hannah Powell, the way she sets up the rotation. Y'all are just there, each Sunday, faithful. And that's what God is looking for, people who are just there. Since it's preseason and football is my favorite time of the year, American football, sorry, um, I want you to know that John Brody, the former quarterback for the San Francisco 49, was being used always to hold the, the football for the kicker after a, a touchdown. And one of the reporters basically came to him and said, why is a multi-million dollar star like you being used to hold the football for the extra point? And I loved his response. He just said, and he was really an intelligent guy. I know this response isn't going to show that, but he goes, Brody understood the value of being there. And he said, holding the ball so it won't fall over. And I think that the reporter was trying to get a little bit of a deeper response. But what Brody was saying is, even as the leader of this team, if this ball isn't held properly, we're not going to score the point. See, it wasn't allowing his position or his multi-million dollar salary to affect doing a very simple task that in the eyes of this reporter, anyone could have done. But Brody was saying, you know what? I do it because if I don't, it would fall over. How many of us are superstars in our world, our corporate world, our neighborhood, our families? And we think that doing something very simple for God is below us. 
See, what God is really wanting us to do is just to be available to be there. Not only for the great times, but for the normal times. It's important that we understand how do we hold the ball for others then? Continuing back in Mark 10, because we read the first part up to 41. We're going to start back at 42. So Jesus called the apostles and said, You know what you have acknowledged. Rulers of nations have absolute power over people, and their officials have absolute authority over people. But that's not the way it's going to be among you. Whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be the most important among you will be a slave for everyone. It is the same way that the Son of Man did not come so that others could serve him, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many people. You see, the key is just being there in our worlds. Every one of us has a world where we can affect people. Whether you're in school, whether you're in corporate world, whether you've got a job, whether it's just your neighborhood, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, people need you to be there. Newsweek ran an article about street gangs. And it talked about this Pentecostal evangelistic preacher who went into the heart of New York City and was trying to start this mission and, and it was very difficult. So he found out the lead gang member and actually went and met with him and said, why is it that you are successful and I am not? And the lead gang member actually gave him a lesson. And he said, when Johnny gets sent out by his mom to go buy some bread, my people are there. When Johnny's walking on his way to school, my people are there. He basically then said to this pastor, your people aren't there. And that's why I'm winning and you're losing. You see, the street gangs are there for our youth to tell them that they're valuable because they're not hearing it from their home. The street gang is giving them a sense of community because they're not getting it from their youth group. The street gang are there giving them acceptance because they're not receiving it anywhere else. And that is wrong because Satan has created a counterfeit for everything beautiful that God has created. And that street gang is a counterfeit because the moment that you do not perform, the moment that you do not do what they tell you to do, the outcome could be your life or severe beating. See, God has an acceptance and a love for us because of his grace and mercy. He wants us to receive that love, that mercy, that acceptance in the family of God and through him. And not through some street gang that's going to cause us to do things that just brings in money for the gang itself. But there's an imitation out there for everything that God has created. And when they can't find it in God, they're going to look to, do you remember we talked about Egypt as a form? Remember we talked about it? They're going to look for it in Egypt. They're going to look for it in this world. They're going to look for acceptance in a relationship. They're going to look for peace through drugs and alcohol. They're going to look through satisfaction through a website that they need not to be visiting. Because what they're trying to do is find it outside of God's will. And it's important that we understand we need to be there for each other. We need to be there for our community. Amen. We need to be there for our workplace. We need to be there for our neighbors. Amen. If you don't even know your neighbor's names, this would be a good day to go out and start meeting them. Amen. Here at church, many of you understand the concept of being there. But do we see our school as a mission field? Do we see our workplace as a mission field? 
do we see our neighborhood as a mission field? You see, if you don't even see it as a mission field, then this message is not even making any sense to you. And what I hope to challenge you over this time is that you were created with a purpose. God has placed you where you are, whether you like it or not, to make a difference where he has you. God does not make mistakes. Some, some of you feel like you got the B plan from God, that you didn't wake up in time or you didn't pray enough. God has an A plan, and it's a continual A plan. You try to adapt and change the A plan, but he's constantly bringing you back to the A plan that he has for you. So it's important that we understand where we are is where God wants us to make a difference and to truly see it as a mission field because there are hurting and dying people out there that don't know the peace, the joy, the love that Jesus Christ can bring into their world. It's important that we understand. This week, I was listening to the radio, talk radio, and they did a little news story, I think on WBAP, that Meals on Wheels, which delivers food to senior citizens, has seen a decline, and a decline, and a decline in volunteer. All they really need are volunteers to go and pick up the food and to take it to these senior citizens. And they were saying how some of the senior citizens, this is their only meal or this meal is keeping them from having to go into full-time nursing care. But they're saying that people's schedules are getting busier and busier and they're not able to recruit the number of volunteers that they need. First thing I thought about was I thought, man, I'm so busy. But then God started convicting me and saying, Mark, what are you busy for? Is there anything in your schedule? Is there anything agenda? Because the Meals on Wheel people are asking for one hour a week. So it's important that we start looking at when we hear of opportunities to serve our community, to serve the body of Christ, to serve each other. Usually the first defense that pops up is, I'm too busy. I don't have the resources. I'd love to, but. And then we normally put in the sentence after that. I'd like for us to challenge our thought process when we start that sentence. I'd love to, but. And think about, is everything that we're doing that important? Are we just spending time building up our physical muscles so everybody will ooh and all at us? Or are we building our spiritual muscles that we're making a difference wherever we are? One is vanity. One is eternal. And it's important that we understand what we're doing makes a difference in others' lives for eternity as opposed to the vanity that is here today and gone tomorrow. We also need to understand that there's needs even within the church. If we can't take time to visit somebody in our church, are we really going to take time to meet somebody that we really don't know that well? If we don't have time to offer to babysit for a family that's struggling with just time, are we really going to do that for a neighbor that we don't know? I'm challenging us on many levels through this series to even evaluate our relationships within the church, in our home, our workplace, our school. Because if we're not even able to do it for each other, I guarantee you we're not going to be doing it for people we don't know. But I'd love for us to see the opportunities, for God to open our eyes to see opportunities where we can just love, encourage, and be a blessing to even not only the members here at this church, but the town of Pantego, the city of Arlington, Grand Prairie, Mansfield, HEB, the whole area.
See, Jesus is our example. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says this, having the same attitude that Christ had. Although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of his equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Ephesians 2.10 tells me this, God has made us what we are, and he has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared us to do. Now I want you to know that this is not a works message. Works will not get you into heaven. Works has nothing to do with your salvation. Salvation is through grace. But what we do while we are on this world will make a difference. And it is our goal to make a difference wherever we are. As I close, I want you to realize that we have the opportunity to touch lives every day. A word that we speak can influence a life. An action could be taken the right or wrong way. It is so easy to offend people in today's world. You can change lanes without turning your blinker on and send somebody into a fit of rage who wants to tell you where you need to spend eternity. All because you didn't do a blinker or you didn't see them. We're quick to judge and fast to become angry. But how soothing is it when you get that, just that wave from somebody saying, I'm sorry, I didn't even see you. And how it kind of takes that hot air out of your little balloon at the time. Because they humbled themselves. Several years ago, there was an old faithful deacon who would come to every meeting. And the pastor would let him close in prayer. Every church service, every time the church met, this deacon would pray, and he would end his prayer with this. And, O Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. He would say that saying after every prayer. O Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. One day they were just having a, a, a business meeting at the church, and they asked the, this older gentleman to pray, and he said, O Lord, touch the unsaved and he just stopped. And everybody pretty much knew the rest of it. But there was just a silence. Finally, somebody just walked up to him, put his arm around him, said, are you okay? Because they didn't know if this was a medical condition or what. And he basically told them, God told me I'm the finger. You see, we have these great prayers. Lord, do this. Lord, do this. And all of a sudden, we become that we are the instrument that can do that. We are the hands and feet. But are we willing to make a difference where God has placed us? Are we willing to challenge our schedule? Are we willing to challenge our agenda? Are we willing to challenge the plans and purposes that we have for our life? And to truly say, God, I'm there. The form of a servant... This is just an intro message to where we're going to go with making a difference. But the very beginning of this whole process starts with making a decision to make sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The best news you'll ever receive. I wasn't going to share this, but Ashley and I were at Best Buy yesterday. The gentleman walked up to me as soon as we walked in and he had a clear, clear internet shirt on. So I knew I was about to get a sales approach. 
And he walked right up to me and he said, Do you, have you heard the good news? <laughs> and without a tenth of a second, I go about Jesus Christ forgiving your sins and making, <laughs> becoming your savior. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> I said, well, my good news is for eternity. I bet your good news is for a savings off your equipment or something like that. And he, he kind of acknowledged that. Afterwards, I said, Lord, that just kind of blurted right out. But it's kind of like inside of me that if you squeeze me, that's what's going to come out. When somebody walks up to you and says, have you heard good news? The best news that I've ever heard is that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for our sins. And then he has forgiven us. And he has cleansed us. He's cleansed us from our past. You are not who you used to be. You are a new creation in Christ. And with that comes the peace and the joy and the love and the understanding. As long as we develop that spiritual side and we hunger more after God than we hunger after anything in this world. And that's what's important to God. We don't have to be the most talented. We don't have to be the most powerful congregation in the whole world. We don't have to be the largest congregation. But I want to challenge us to make the biggest difference we've ever made in any church. With God, all things are possible. We just have to be open, willing, and obedient to be challenged. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I give everyone an opportunity to say this prayer because I never know who's in this room or who's listening online. But this will be the most important decision that you'll ever make. Are you willing to turn your life over to Jesus Christ? Are you willing to submit yourselves to his lordship? To say, I have made a mess of my life. I've never found peace on my own. I've never found true happiness. I've never found true acceptance. And I need you. Would you all please pray this prayer with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me change my life fill me with the Holy Spirit I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved Amen that's the beginning of a new relationship with Jesus Christ now put your seatbelt on because it gets good he's gonna change your life he's gonna radically come in and the things that you used to do you might not want to do anymore in reality, what I've done is I've ruined you for sin because the sin that came so easily before a relationship with Jesus Christ, now there's something inside of you saying, that's not my life. That's not my life. If you were with us two weeks ago, John gave a, a, a great testimony of his life in the Marines, how his language was vulgar, his actions were obscene until he met Christ. And he woke up the next morning saying, my life has totally changed. He didn't know what it was. But he goes, when I went to speak a curse word, it was almost like gagging reflex in his voice. It was a great testimony.
I'm looking forward to this week we're having Wayne, right Wayne? We're having Wayne, yes, I just want to confirm, give one of the testimonies. So I want to invite you, men, to come out 6.30 Tuesday night into our activity center. Also, Scott's going to be leading us in our, our devotional that we've been doing on Revelation. So would you all stand? I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. We don't have to tear down today. We just have a very limited thing that we'll take care of. So y'all are able to just enjoy fellowshipping and loving God. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We love